0: Greetings again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of OSI Today, the podcast featuring news and views from around the Office of Special Investigations. I'm Wayne Amon from OSI Public Affairs. August 1st, 2023 marks the 75th anniversary of OSI's inception. Throughout the year, the command is commemorating the occasion based on the theme, inspired by our past, OSI's future starts today. And with me to discuss how the Office of Special Projects fits into that scenario is Special Projects Executive Director, Mr. Lee Russ. Sir, welcome to the program. Great to be chatting with you again.
1: Thanks for having me, Wayne. Super excited to be here.
0: And, of course, uh, with this being our 75th anniversary year, lots of things going on and whatever, but uh, I'd like to kick off, uh, if we can, sir, with uh, Special Projects, uh, the questions for you, Uh, getting a little bit of history for our uh, uh, novice listeners who may not be familiar with OSI or with Special Projects. Now, uh, Special Projects was activated back in 1978. However, to reach its current iteration, it was realigned in 1992. Uh, How did that all come about?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, thanks again, Wayne, for having me. Um, I'm excited to talk about OSI's Office of Special Projects uh, with you today. Yep. Uh, the, the the OSI Office of Special Projects, as we as we know it, became uh, institutionalized uh, with the activation of what what we called Region Seven uh, back in 1992. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before that, if we if we take a glimpse into the past, uh, OSI PJ. Uh, Began as only one agent detailed to an office within the U.S. Air Force's special projects office, uh-huh. uh, which at the time was called RD for research and development. Right. And just a uh, happenstance as they uh, created a bunch of offices in that RD, the office symbol that that uh, the OSI agents were, were given at the time was RDPJ. I see. Um, so this is actually where PJ comes from. Huh. Um this one agent supported, uh, at the time, the U-2 and the SR-71 programs, right. uh, but as the Air Force added uh, additional special access programs, uh, PJ's presence within the uh, the Air Force Special Projects Office uh, continued to grow. And that's when, uh, at the time, Colonel Forrest uh, Singhoff, who was the ninth OSI commander, uh-huh. appointed the very first PJ commander, who was uh, Colonel Richard Troyer at the time. I see. So the uh, the Air Force continued to add more programs uh, over time uh, as technology advanced, and PJ continued to grow uh, became and ev- eventually became what we uh, what we knew as Region Seven uh, in in what you referenced uh, in 1992. I see. So that was part of the larger OSI effort, uh, the first major reorganization that OSI had undertook um, since their activation in
0: 1948.
1: Uh huh. So the reorganization reflected a larger air force reorganization, uh, due to a downsizing of the force. Uh, the air force was uh, considerably downsizing in that, in that time. So the, uh, the next major change occurred in about 2008 Mm -hmm. when the special access program mission was split from region seven and the office of special projects now known as PJ, uh, was activated. I see. So since, uh, 2008, OSIPJ has seen uh, significant growth, uh, with the largest growth occurring around uh, the 2019 to the to present time, where we've grown to over 400 personnel across 52 field offices within the United States, Hawaii, and Germany.
0: And I would imagine, sir, with uh, you know the 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 rapid development of technology these days, uh, uh, special projects or PJ, as it's as called, as you mentioned, uh, is uh, is is really burning and turning every day, and never a dull moment in, in the world of PJ. Absolutely, we're a, we're a
1: very busy organization uh, supporting commanders around the world.
0: And speaking of that, uh, uh, PJ has 13 primary customers, including uh, United States Space Force and seven major Air Force commands. Uh, sir, what unique challenge or challenges does that diverse responsibility present for the folks uh, in PJ? Yeah,
1: this is a great question. And uh, working in the special access program world, is, uh, it's extremely complex, um, we're ultimately protecting the departments, the department of the Air Force, which includes both the Air Force and the Space Force. We're protecting their most sensitive technologies. Um, so most of the work we do is classified. Right. Um, there's also uh many different aspects of program security, uh, or what I like to call integrated technology protection. I see. That, that makes the overall protection of say uh like a B2, the stealth bomber. Right. Uh, And all of its subcomponent components, extremely complicated.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Additionally, as you mentioned, we have a a diverse customer base, uh, including all the MAGCOMs, the Air Force MAGCOMs. uh, I believe there's nine of them. And uh, the three uh, Space Force field comms. Um, So uh, uh, a lot of customers, uh, very, very diverse customer base. And we interact with uh, military members and government civilians. Uh, at the highest level of those organizations.
0: I see. I would imagine flexibility has to be a uh, a calling card for the folks in PJ as well with with uh, those kinds of uh, uh, diverse responsibilities uh, all at once that you guys uh, take care of. Absolutely. Yeah. Flexibility, they say, is the key to air power, but I,
1: right. I believe flexibility is also the key to space power. <laughs> well but put. we, but we, we also work uh, regularly with our partners within the defense industrial base, ah, I see. Uh, and both civilian and military decision makers from our partners and allies, even overseas. Uh-huh. Um, so, in this complex environment, we serve as the advisors on uh, special access program security at all levels, um, and we oftentimes have to be the bearer of bad news. Oh, I see. So, so every senior leader in the Air Force, in cleared industry, and amongst our allied partners have different objectives, right? As you would imagine. Right. right. Uh, and there's many times where those objectives don't align with uh, PJ's mission or objectives of SAP security or or delivering uncompromised technologies to our warfighter. Uh-huh. Uh, some have uh, priorities of speed and money, uh, where our priority is security. Right. Um, right. But it's oftentimes it's a tough conversation when you have to tell a program manager or a program executive officer uh, that we have to debrief uh, one of the key members of their team because of a you know, uh, maybe a polygraph issue or an right. unauthorized uh, disclosure or a mishandling of classified information. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're we're an independent organization. So we serve as both an oversight role and also an advising role to provide that independent um, uh, advice to air force and space force decision makers.
0: Right. Now uh, you mentioned, uh, sometimes you have to be the bearer of bad news. Uh, kind of, I hearken back to, uh, uh, my early days in the air force where, uh, uh, when we have to, you know, be trusted counsel to various leaders and sometimes, uh, uh, you can't tell them what they want to hear, but that what they need to know, I would imagine, is that a pretty fair assessment?
1: Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. The independence is key. Um, you know, really giving them uh, ground truth and, uh, and uh, recommendations to protect their program.
0: I see. Now, uh, with headquarters, headquarters of, uh, at Joint Base uh, Anacostia Bowling in Washington, D.C., Special Project's mission is to provide multidiscipline security and special investigative services for selected Department of Defense and uh, all of uh, Department of the Air Force special access programs. Now. Given all that uh, responsibility, what's been PJ's key to successfully accomplishing that very important mission in your view?
1: Wayne, without a doubt, the uh, the key to PJ's success over the years has been our people. Mm-hmm. Um, PJ brings in a ton of high caliber personnel right. who are really, really excellent at their work. Um, and working to protect such sensitive and critical technologies is ex- it's extremely rewarding. Um, and I think the combination of these two things makes for an excellent work environment mm-hmm. uh, and leads to um, a very high retention rate. You know, very rarely do we see people trying to leave the organization uh, for, you know, to move on to something else.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, and I, I believe we have probably the most diverse workforce within uh, any uh, organization within OSI. And, and by that, I mean, we have uh, five different uh, government job series for civilians. We also have five uh, different active duty career fields, all working to protect our department's most sensitive technologies. Wow! So, uh, you know, that diverse workforce creates a community of thinkers uh-huh. uh, who are able to attack very complex problems from uh, different perspectives. Right? right. And give our uh, senior leaders and decision makers the best possible advice uh, when it comes to integrated technology protection.
0: Right. I would imagine. I'm sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I would imagine you also uh, value the uh, uh, input from the from your field PJ uh, members as well. Uh, you know, the ones who have the the boots on the ground.
1: Absolutely. I mean, they're they are the ones that are uh, uh, protecting the programs in the field. Um, we're not doing that at headquarters. I'm not doing that day to day. It's really our uh, the workforce in the field that's protecting those programs.
0: I see. Uh, moving on now, uh, what are some of the more notable mission milestones that uh, uh, special projects can reflect on that have defined its uh, very distinguished legacy? I know uh, lots of, again, you can't talk about a lot of stuff that you folks do, obviously, but uh, uh, some of the more um, uh, notable mission milestones, in your view, uh, you know, from an unclassified nature, that have uh, uh, really uh, given PJ uh, uh, a great foundation over the years.
1: Yeah, when I think of legacy and I think of history of uh, the organization, <clears throat> I think of uh, PJ's protection of the U-2 and the SR-71 uh, missions. Right. So a handful of OSI agents provided security and counterintelligence expertise to protect uh, what I'll call two of the greatest intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance, or ISR, platforms in the history of mankind. Mm-hmm. Um both of these aircraft flew highly classified and highly dangerous missions right. uh, throughout the Cold War. And OSI agents and security specialists helped keep these two aircrafts cloaked in secrecy uh, while our government, the US government used them to collect ISR missions over, uh, you know, the Soviet Union, North Korea and Cuba yeah. uh, during that time. Yeah. Um, an interesting fact that uh, maybe some of our listeners aren't aware of is uh, the U-2 was used to first spot Soviet missiles in Cuba during the Cuban Missile Crisis, Um, those uh, nuclear weapons that the Soviets had put in Cuba. And that was back in 1962. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So not only were we protecting the existence of that aircraft, but we also had to protect uh, the creation, the shipment, the storage of a uh, special fuel type that was created uh, specifically for the SR-71. So it's not just the aircraft itself that we're working wow. on to protect, it's all the support uh, structures that go along. Right. So also have a, I have a second vignette that I'll walk. Yeah, through. sure. Um, you know, most of our listeners have probably heard of the F-117 night, Nighthawk. Uh-huh. Um, this was another milestone program that OSIPJ uh, helped protect. So during that Cold War, during the Cold War, we couldn't afford to match the Soviets tank for tank, right? Yeah, uh, But the second offset was uh, the advances the U.S. made in stealth technology. So we, we didn't have to match them tank for tank. Uh-huh. Um, so I would encourage everyone to go and read the history of the F-117, which was the first operational air asset designed with stealth capabilities. So a huge uh, breakthrough in technology in the United States. But uh, if we walk through the timeline, the program began in 1975. Uh-huh. It began, uh, initial operating capability in 1983, but was kept under strict secrecy for, for many years. I see. It wasn't until 1988 that the program was publicly acknowledged and not until 1990 when it's made its first, uh, formal public debut or its first public appearance. Uh-huh. So that was, uh, about 15 years that PJ personnel protected the program and it remained hidden from, uh. From prying eyes and prying spots
0: <laughs> well, right well it, it certainly sounds like uh you know over the years uh Mr Russ that PJ has had a uh, a very profound effect on the, on the global stage and uh uh world events that uh uh you can really look back on and say hey uh we were, we were part of the successes back then which is uh really a, I would imagine it gives you a lot of pride to look back on something like that.
1: It absolutely does, and uh, and you know, really, those uh, those first few programs that we've kind of walked through have served as the stepping stone, uh, for other uh, stealth aircraft, right? As the such as the B two, the F twenty two, the F thirty five, and now uh, just recently uh, publicly revealed was the B twenty one, which uh, right. continues to protect all those assets.
0: Right, and once again, technology keeps changing and advancing. So, uh, uh, PJ is right there at the at the forefront of it all. Absolutely. Now, uh, Mr. Russ, uh, let's turn uh, our, our attention again to uh, people, if we can, shall we? Um, who have been some of the more significant contributors to PJ's success throughout the years? I'm sure the, the list is long and distinguished, but uh, as you look back, uh, who are uh, some of the folks who uh, really uh, made their mark uh, in PJ and making PJ such the, the great organization that it is?
1: Yeah, the list is extremely long,
0: um, <laughs> right. but I, uh,
1: I I think it would be appropriate to recognize uh, all of the people, past right. and present, who who have worked in PJ. Uh-huh. Um, when you asked me before about the unique challenges we face, um, I kind of laid out in a little bit of detail, uh, but we really do have an incredible challenging job. Um, and a lot of the times we can't talk about what we do. Um, we can't share the details of our day-to-day mission because yeah. of the sensitivity that the world demands. Um, we can't always tell our family what we do. Right. Um, but it's really because of the significant contributions um, to national security um, that sometimes can't be recognized until years after the fact, and and sometimes can never be recognized. Right. Um, but just some of the platforms that I mentioned before, we've, we've, we've done amazing things to protect uh, capabilities, to deliver uncompromised capabilities to the warfighter. Mm-hmm. And it, it really fits in perfectly with our, our motto, um, which is uh, uh, Secretum Conservo Populi, which uh, uh, translates to protecting the people's secrets. Uh-huh. And that's really what the men and women of PJ do every day, right? We yeah, protect yeah. our nation's most advanced technologies.
0: Right. No doubt about that. Uh, and a very uh, uh, distinguished legacy uh, has, has resulted as, uh, as, as, as I say, as a result of uh, the great work that you folks have been doing over the years. If I can, sir, let's uh, uh, look into your crystal ball a little bit, shall we? And uh, how would you characterize the future of the Office of Special Projects? We mentioned the uh, diversity and uh, uh, changing constantly of, of technology. Um, as you look ahead for PJ, uh, what do you see? Yeah, this is exciting. I really think,
1: uh, and I and I view the the future of OSI PJ as a as a bright one. Um, I first came into PJ in two thousand six, and I've seen tremendous growth in the department's uh, special access program enterprise. Um, and with it, we've been afforded a uh, corresponding growth in our own personnel.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, so as I mentioned, we started with one OSI agent detailed to a very small office at the Pentagon. Right. And now we're about 400 and, and about 430 personnel across 52 field offices. Yeah. Um, the expansion has been a direct result of uh, our department senior leadership recognize the value that uh, and the amazing work that PJ personnel bring to the fight. Right. I did, I'd say that as the Space Force matures and uh, and expands and as the our Air Force continues to evolve within uh, the special access programs, um, you know, to, to win the great power struggle against our adversaries, uh-huh. we within OSIPJ will continue to grow and evolve, uh, with the department. Uh, I'll add that the amazing collaboration with our, uh, national and allied partners over the last few few years has been a, uh, significant force multiplier
0: uh-huh. and
1: i expect that'll, uh, only get better and stronger, uh, going forward. Right. But uh, being on the cutting edge with uh, will continue to allow us to, to recruit how high caliber, high caliber people right. uh, we will do our best to help the United States maintain the uh, technological superiority uh, that we we enjoy today.
0: Well said. Now, uh, Mr. West, before we wrap things up, is there anything else you'd like to add about being part of OSI's 75th anniversary observance this year?
1: Wayne, I'd just like to thank you again for giving me the opportunity. Um, As always, it's it's great chatting with you, Um, but I'd also like to thank my PJ family. Uh, PJ has done and continues to do amazing work every day. Mm -hmm. Um, Our diverse cast of uh, professionals is constantly solving difficult and complex problems to help protect our department's most sensitive technologies. And it's fantastic to lead an organization where I get to highlight those efforts to senior leaders in our department and the interagency every day, um, I truly believe OSI has a a very rich history, and I really appreciate you giving us the opportunity to tell our small story and contributing to the larger OSI history and the OSI story.
0: Well, it's always great to uh, chat with everybody uh, throughout the command, and uh, and and PJ is uh, right up there with with them all, uh, no doubt about that. Our guest has been Mr. Lee Russ, the executive director of OSI's special projects. Mr. Russ, thanks again for taking the time to be with us. Always great to chat with you, sir. Thank you, Wayne. And thanks to all of you listening for tuning in. For OSI Today, I'm Wayne Amon saying so long for now.